have waited long enough. It is time for Baseball Central, Sportsnet 590, the fan, Ben Ennis, and Rob Wong, the Toronto Blue Jays, trying to salvage a split of this mini two-game set at Nationals Park in Washington, D.C. I think they had some thunderstorms earlier in the day. The tarp is now off. We will have baseball. It will be on time. It is Jose Barrios looking to bounce back from that disappointing outing in Anaheim against the Angels, against Josiah Gray. Uh, yesterday was no good. It was brutal all the way around. 12-6 loss. Alec Manoa, I guess, was due for one of those. He got squeezed at times. Yeah. Angel Hernandez will do that to you. That happens occasionally. Um, the offense took until late to really show up as well. But the overarching news of the day was George Springer who has now a grade one knee sprain, which if you go back to a year ago, Bo Bichette missed about a month. Now there are reports. Rob Longley said that the organization does not believe it's as significant as Bo Bichette's injury from a year ago, that it's a week to week thing, but that's a massive blow considering you thought this was an ankle thing. And then all of a sudden it's the knee um, coming off the injury plague start to the season for George Springer. Yeah, it's not, you know, much, much worse, but it's worse. You know, an ankle sprain, um, obviously they can be bad. High ankle sprains are not particularly good, but the knee thing is uh, not great. But as you said, uh, by all accounts, it seems better than the situation Bo Bichette found himself in last year. I think he ended up missing like 27 games um, a season ago in pretty much the exact same time, right? Like August 16th, I think yeah. last year was when Bo Bichette got hurt and, hurt and he came back September the 12th, but just like for George Springer, I mean, this has got to be such a nightmare of a season for you to debut with the Blue Jays coming off that big contract. You obviously, you want to perform, you want to be healthy. The best ability is availability. And uh, we haven't seen enough of that from him. And you wonder, you know, start wondering, you know, what this could mean for him moving forward here. He's getting a little bit older, he's dealing with some not great injuries with a knee and, uh, you know, an oblique and a quad. Like, that's that's not great. Um, he hasn't exactly been a beacon of health over the last couple of seasons. Um, but, you know, still, we've seen when he's on the field, he's an incredibly productive player, but uh, we haven't seen enough of that. But it is good that it seems like he will return before the uh, end of the season. And the Blue Jays obviously have gone through a large period of time without him at the beginning of the year. Um, they had guys like Randall Gritchick performing at that point, and Vladdy was doing Vladdy things. But, you know, I know they scored six runs last night, but it just the the offense feels a little bit toothless yeah. without George Springer in there. And, uh, you know, we'll get to Marcus Semyon maybe as well. He's really been struggling over this road trip, but it's just a, a massive, massive loss. Oh, did you dig into the numbers? I, I saw you tweeted yesterday about uh, Marcus Semyon's inability with runners in scoring position this road trip. All right, if you're going to do the research, you're going to dig into the numbers. Give me the numbers. So the numbers for Marcus Semyon on this uh, road trip, he, after last night's game, he, uh, on these eight games, with runners on, he's one for 10 with two walks and three strikeouts. Yeah. And with runners in scoring position, he's 0 for 6 with one walk and uh, three strikeouts. So if he gets a couple of hits in some of those spots, whether it's in Seattle or last night against uh, the Washington Nationals with two guys on, I mean, maybe we're talking about different stories here with some of these outcomes. Well, and that being said, we just had a conversation before we started the show about how dire it feels for this Blue Jays team after losing that series in Seattle, after splitting against the Angels, after losing the first game to one of the worst teams in all of baseball since the trade deadline in the Washington Nationals. Blue Jays have, what, lost one game in the standings in the last week? They're 4-4-1 yeah. 
games back of a wild card spot, which is now held down by three teams. The Yankees actually passed the Red Sox by percentage points yesterday with their win, but the Yankees, A's, Red Sox all tied for that wild card spot. Blue Jays four games back of them. Mariners now also tied with the Blue Jays. Blue Jays have the Mariners on percentage points uh, as well. Um, Rafael Dolis getting that opportunity yesterday in the eighth inning was very curious with the day off Monday, with the day off tomorrow. Man, he was a revelation last year. He was the best closer in Japan. They acquired him, and it wasn't always easy, but he was effective. And even this year, he struck people out. It's just the inability to throw strikes is undoing. Today, DFA'd to make room for Kevin Smith. So Otto Lopez and Kevin Smith are now on the active roster for the Blue Jays. Neither guy is in the starting lineup. But the Dolis thing, let's maybe just do the micro of yesterday. Well, what did you think of the move? To, to After you cut the lead to two, after it looks like this team doesn't exactly have prime Mariano Rivera coming out of that bullpen to to squander it because you go to a guy who hasn't exactly been the reliever he was a year ago. Yeah, so if we rewind just a little bit, I mean, Taylor Sacedo is the guy that started the inning because he was going to face two lefties. Right. I was totally fine with that. Yep. I mean, Taylor Sacedo has been good. I've actually wanted to see him get some more opportunity in some bigger spots and obviously it didn't work out for him. But the move to go to Raphael Delise in that spot, down a couple of runs, and it's a tough spot for any reliever. But when you've got a guy that has a history of not throwing strikes, like that guy can't be the one to come in in a bases loaded one out situation. And Charlie Montoyo mentioned it earlier this year that, you know, Raf Delis has done it for in the past for us in the past. So he's wanted to go back to him. But as we know, relievers on a year to year basis, incredibly volatile. Yeah. So like just because someone did it in 2020, doesn't mean they can do it in 2021. We've seen it with Raviel Delis. The 2021 version is nowhere close to being the 2020 version. So, you know, Adam Simber, Trevor Richards, Jordan Romano, even if you wanted any of those guys, I think would have been the much better selection uh, in that spot. But I think it also gets back to the fact of the depth in this rotation or in this bullpen. I mean, if Joaquin Sori is healthy, that might be a spot for him. And I don't hate it. But, you know, not for Raviel Delis, a guy that has, you know, struggles with... Finding the strike zone. Well, and Simber and Richards have struggled recently as well. It's it's hey, it's not a it's not a fait accompli that those guys step into that situation and perform any better. Uh, hard to be worse than what Dolis performed uh, in that situation. But yeah, there are no great great options unless you do go to Romano, which is not maybe the worst idea in the world. Um, maybe you get him to throw multiple innings, or somebody else is cleaning up the ninth inning if there is a bottom of the ninth inning you're pleased as punch anyways to get to that point but yeah a curious a curious move for a guy who was apparently one poor outing away from no longer being with this organization we don't know whether he will accept a demotion whether this means the end of his tenure with the Toronto Blue Jays but Rafael Dolis has been DFA'd to make room for Kevin Smith who, like I said, uh, with Otto Lopez, Lopez got a pinch hit at bat yesterday, but uh, looking to get their first starts in uh, the big leagues. Um, man, Riley Adams looked good coming out of the gates <laughs> for the Blue Jays, and I had some some positive things to say on Twitter about him, and then he went a long time without a hit. And he's a big dude. Good for him, I guess. Uh, and it's not that you would undo the trade, despite Brad Hand not looking 
lights out most of the time. The Blue Jays have so much depth at the catching position. Mm-hmm. I don't know where Riley Adams would have fit in either way, but just a classic Toronto sports thing to have that guy come back and haunt you. I was going to say, so let's do the whole like butterfly effect, space-time continuum thing. If yeah. you don't make the Brad hand trade, <laughs> okay. I mean, maybe you still lose the game against Cleveland and extras. Yeah. Maybe you still lose the game against Seattle. Uh, but you definitely don't lose the game last night because Riley Adams doesn't come back to hurt you. So yeah. if you didn't make the Brad hand trade, is it possible you could have won three of <laughs> all three of those games? Because Brad hand affected two of them and Riley Adams affected the game last night. It's so. a, Oh, wow. I didn't even go that deep into it. But no, that's a, an interesting uh, possibility. I would advise Blue Jays fans not to think too hard on that one. It is uh, Baseball Central, <laughs> Ben Ennis, Rob Wong, getting you set for game two of the Blue Jays and Washington National Series before the off day tomorrow coming up at the top of the hour you will hear ben wagner with the call who is in studio with us right now and as i continue to do with with tom young uh a you know op extraordinaire i'm seeing people in person for the first time in forever it's good to see you man a long time a long time since i've seen you probably a rogers center in the middle of the summer i think the last time that we actually saw each other and that was in the booth right i mean how so many things have changed <laughs> yeah. since then. I mean, we're looking at a massive monitor right now yeah. as the clouds break over Nationals Park in D.C., where I will call Major League Baseball from yeah. Toronto. So, yeah, lots changed. Good to see you guys. And yeah. it's great to have everybody actually in the studio having no, these conversations. It is awesome. Um, yeah, and a lot has changed, and uh, a lot of it not good. Uh, a lot of it's changed between yesterday and today, including the news on George Springer, which, yeah, we just talked about a little bit, Ben, but it... it uh, I guess the idea that uh, when Charlie Montoyo spoke yesterday and he couldn't give a definitive timeline, a lot of people were were putting it in their minds that that was it for George Springer for the season. I guess in that respect, it has to be positive news that it's a grade one sprain. And again, according to Rob Longley, it is not as severe as the the one that kept Bo Bichette out for a month a season ago. Yeah, because the Blue Jays were pretty transparent about Bo's injury yeah. last year when that happened, and he was on the on-deck circle. It wasn't as as dramatic or uh, as impactful on the knee or the body that we saw with George Springer crashing into the wall on Friday night, Saturday night. So the fact that there is at least some silver lining out of this, you lose just that potent bat. He was performing so well on both sides of the baseball offensively. And to me, getting a chance to watch George Springer play defensively might have been the greatest eye-opening thing about the player, right? Uh, Some somber tone from Charlie initially, but I think only trending in a more positive tone the way that the news came back from the doctors last night. From what we were told, he saw the Nationals medical staff, got Mm -hmm. checked out, deeper imaging, and... And now no timeline has been put on this thing, but judging off of what Bose was and judging off of what other grade one knee injuries have been a quick little search, right? It's going to be a couple of weeks, mm-hmm. but it's not going to be the rest of the season. Yeah, and it's such a weird you know, spot in the season because when George was dealing with the quad, dealing with the oblique, I mean, that was at the beginning of the season early on in the year. There's not a lot of runway left here, and we know he's got a high pain tolerance. He worked his way back the first go around from the quad, maybe a little bit too early. That's a difficult balance where you've got a guy who's coming off a knee strain, a knee sprain. I mean, is it a situation where, you know, if they need him, he might be out there on 80%, even though they already went through something like that earlier this year? I think it depends on the time. You know, if there's, there's a big difference if there's four weeks left in the season versus two weeks left in the season. How do you, how do you play where are the Blue Jays? Uh, in in that whole scenario too, because that's another 
deep layer into this thing. If you are looking at how the Blue Jays treat George Springer, George Springer, George Springer treats himself kind of on this return to play track. I think it has to deal with the wins and the losses and what's the rush, you know, if there is an ounce of prevention worth the pound of cure in this thing and you slow play it and you bring him back gradually, you're never going to see George Springer 100% anyway, because he's not going to have the at bats. And we saw just how quickly things will change with George once he gets to that 50 to 65 at bat range. But also it's Blue Jays. They're very interesting right now. You know, yeah. you, you, you're kind of on the periphery of this wild card race. And in the last two weeks, we've seen more opportunity for Santiago Espinal, more uh-huh. opportunity for Bravik Valera. And now all of a sudden, you've got Otto Lopez hopping onto the major league roster and you call up Kevin Smith today. So giving young guys an opportunity in a non in a non-normal 40-man roster expansion in September is really interesting to see if the Blue Jays are kind of showcasing these guys to see what they've got over the next couple of weeks and if they want to be part of then September. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I expect if there's a pinch-hitting situation, perhaps we see Lopez again like we saw yesterday or or Kevin Smith. Maybe he makes his debut not unlike uh, Otto Lopez made yesterday, but... Yeah, the the idea of them getting semi-regular reps, I don't know how that would come unless you are, you're saying, hey, the, the Bravak Valera experience hasn't been kind to us, although it has been. It's, he's been more than adequate. He's been more than serviceable. Yeah. I would say he gives you, he's given more quality at bats than what we've seen in pockets from Cabin. Yep. And, you know, that's harsh. Who's coming back too? Who's probably think? coming back, coming back or will have the opportunity to come back I just don't think that Kevin's going to be rushed back, and that's where this new layer factors in. If yeah. you're getting production, if you're seeing more, um, you, you need to learn about these guys that will be the next wave. I'm curious as to what they do, and it it gets it becomes less of an issue when you return to American League rules in the DH spot, but against the righty today, you get no Corey Dickerson, Lourdes Gurriel Jr., who has been essentially Lourdes Gurriel Jr. with the bat since the start of June. Like, got off to that horrible start. I think he has an OPS well over 800 since June 1st. Randall Grichuk has struggled offensively since almost the exact same spot, mm-hmm. but you're talking about losing the defense of George Springer. Clearly, to get Randall Grichuk playing center field is something that you got to think about doing. How they balance that, the offense-defense thing, because this is a team that has the best OPS in all of baseball, but recently... Like Rob has said earlier, there's been times where the offense does not feel quite like that. And especially when you lose a two-time American League player of the week, it's going to feel that way. Yeah, it's a massive hole for the Blue Jays. You have to figure out how to get some production back in there. And that's where this next thing that the Blue Jays will talk about, they talk about the the matchups, projections. Mm-hmm. How does Lourdes Gurriel and his swing path look at mm. with whatever Josiah Gray throws in terms of his fastball, where his heat map is? Does he like to mix in more breaking balls? We know Guriel's a good breaking ball hitter. And I think that's that's kind of how you're going to do it, knowing that if you lose Springer and you don't get the option to have Gritchick in there, who's a pretty good right fielder too, and can have Hernandez over and left, you're going to have to get a little bit more creative in how to balance out the offense and try to get that card turned around again. Mm-hmm. So you, you mentioned, you know, Kevin Smith being up here and uh, Otto Lopez, who we saw last night, uh, a chance to potentially showcase those guys. With with Smith specifically, having a great season down in, in AAA, I think he's really reversed course from where he was a few years ago when he did have some setbacks as a as a prospect. 
Where do you think he fits in over the next little bit here? Like, do you think we're going to see him get regular playing time or is it pinch hitting? How, how do you kind of see his spot? More than pinch hitting. Yeah, I, I really think it's going to be more than pinch hitting. I think that they're going to selective, uh, very selectively pick out days that he can get a start here or there. Uh, I, But I don't think he's going to be. I really don't think that these guys are going to get a long runway, you know, and be here mm-hmm. for the rest of September. I think that they're going to call him up for a couple of weeks and see what they've got in terms of the tools. Will the bat translate? Are you seeing consistent uh, pitch selection now that you're going to see much better pitching? And the, the timing is perfect, too. You know, you're coming out of this naturals, national series, and it's a natural progression then. Get the off day. Get him settled back in Toronto. But also then the Tigers are coming to town. Yeah. And, and that's going to be... That's going to be a, just a nice way to ease back in kind of to major league life for a couple of these guys. Yeah. Uh, the Blue Jays announcing the uh, following roster moves today is why uh, Tim Mesa has been reinstated from the 10-day injured list, which we thought might happen yesterday. Uh, clearly was going to happen today. We mentioned Kevin Smith has been selected after the DFAing of Rafael Dolis. Alec Manoa has been placed on the bereavement list, which, I listen, I don't want to speculate, but might tie into his performance yesterday if he's dealing with something on a personal level. But this is also a guy who's, he had high expectations, but he has exceeded even the highest expectations when he was called up to the major league level. The idea that he might have some bumps in the road before the end of this season, considering he's going to places he's never been as far as the innings and the workload, like that, it's not unreasonable. It's it's unreasonable the the expectations that have been put on him he's only done that himself by performing as well as he did but the idea that he's gonna be a guy that goes the rest of the season playing some tough teams with an era under three yeah probably not yeah the expectations for all of us started in february remember how far back this goes right that first little splash it was him and simeon woods richardson mowing down opponents getting a brief little opportunity to pitch in some major league games during spring training and Manoa was right there when he fans seven straight Yankees uh, that he comes up and he debuts against the Yankees. He has unbelievable success. There would be bumps in the road. We know that. Uh, and if this was circling in the back of his mind, obviously he's human. Yeah. It's, there are difficult days at work for all of us. And if there is a personal matter and from what I understand, he has left the team to deal with this too. So yeah. there is obviously more going on in the last couple of days than we're probably going to know right now. But Alec Manoa and his success this season is a reason that the Blue Jays have an opportunity for success, and they needed somebody like this. They needed somebody that was part of this, uh, young, exciting to get out there and, and to also be talked about, but also to perform. Mm-hmm. Not only has he gone out and he's like rolling some eyes as kind of this next prospect, he has stunned myself because the, the organization has reversed course on how they've treated a prospect. You know, in this, and remember where this all goes. Like, there was a dire need for the Blue Jays to cover innings when they went into New York for that series, and they had nobody. Mm-hmm. Um, Nate, Nate Pearson wasn't available. Uh, Thomas Hatch wasn't available. The other guys they'd had given some opportunity never panned out. So, like, you know, like the numbers are pretty good. The numbers tell us that Manoa might translate pretty well, and the guy hasn't looked backwards at all. Um, for him to have a couple of missteps, and I know he had the three weeks off, but that also probably saved him. A bigger workload than in September too, with that uh, hiatus in his workload. Uh, this is this is a 
this is a really good situation for the Blue Jays to be in. Unfortunately, personally, it's not a good situation for Alec to be in. Yeah, it's tough. Uh, last one for me, and you mentioned the guy, Nate Pearson, who uh, sort of was neck and neck with Alec Manoa there for a while, the beginning of the season. And it was Manoa that obviously has jumped down in front and, you know, taken this role and run with it. But Pearson working his way back, uh, had an outing the other day uh, in Buffalo for the, the Bisons as he's obviously coming back as a, a bullpen piece. Uh, I'm guilty of it, and I know a lot of other people are as well. Feels like a lot of people, myself included, putting a lot of eggs in the Nate Pearson basket to be maybe not a savior, but an X factor potentially in this bullpen. What What are your, I guess, uh, expectations for when he he arrives here? He's obviously going to work his way potentially into leverage innings if he performs well. But how, I guess, uh, I guess you know, how important could he potentially be, and, and where do you land on your expectations for him? Well, he could be incredibly important yeah. for the Blue Jays. He could be important this year and for years to come. We know that. We have seen flashes of the brilliance, whether it's with our eyes in spring training, whether it's the playoffs last year. That's the Nate Pearson that you want to harness and put into this bullpen situation. Bottom line for me is he's got to throw strikes. This Mm -hmm. has been the thing with Nate Pearson since moment one is when he comes to the major leagues, there's way too many pitches. There's not enough strikes. There's not enough competitive appearances on the mound, and he hasn't been able to provide you any depth. So this is a natural way uh, for him to be part of the conversation if he can go out there and throw strikes. So the first appearance out of the bullpen with AAA Buffalo as a start, that was just to kind of get his feet wet, get him in rhythm. And people I've talked with within the organization said, from now on, it's the reins are off. Yeah. If there's a situation in AAA and it looks like this could be a Nate Pearson inning, it'll be a Nate Pearson inning. And there might be a day or two off after it, but eventually they want him to get a handful of appearances out of the bullpen and also pitch back-to-back days oh, because be that would back-to-backs. that is a big thing. The Blue, the Blue Jays desperately need somebody yeah. that Pete Walker and Charlie Montoyo can go in and knowing that there's no restrictions because in the last couple of years, those have been far and few between. Yeah. And, and Nate has driven the bus. I'll give the kid a lot of credit. Nate Pearson has been driving the bus in a lot of this and the drive to get back on the mound, figuring out the process and saying – I'm okay with going to the bullpen if that gets me back to the big big leagues because I know the situation in the big leagues here, and this is just going to be part of it. Uh, to to put a timetable on it, though, Rob, I don't know. I, I think we need to see 10 appearances, 10 solid appearances. Really? I, you, why rush? You, you've rushed. Well, it. time's running out. Time's running out. Uh, is it? I don't know. Um, I'm looking at the standings, too. But uh, in, unless he is lights out. Mm-hmm. Lights out from moment one. Nate Pearson is going to tell you when it's time to bring Nate Pearson into the Blue Jays bullpen. Uh, before I let you go, Ben, and uh, get ready for uh, the second game of this national series at the top of the clock. Um, Kevin Smith activated. Rafael Dolis DFA'd after that performance yesterday as the two-run deficit became many more. Uh, and it's been a rough go of him. A go. It's been a rough go of it for him this season. But the numbers across the board aren't that much different. Like, he's still striking out 11 per nine, right? The walks are insane, 7.6 per nine. But he was a five walks per nine guy a season ago. What do you think of if this is it for Dolis? And I suppose it's still possible that he could accept a demotion to the minor leagues. But what do you you make of the year and a half, I mean, a 60-game season and this year of Rafael Dolis coming off the great success he had in Japan. Yeah, low risk. Honestly, yeah. I thought it was a low risk when the Blue Jays got him. He didn't know. He pitched himself into some big situations, and everybody had to f- figure it out when they lost Ken Giles. 
and other people last year. Now this year, of course, you go back and you rely on guys that kind of got you there last year, and then you figure it out. The other thing is, too, you know, he's not the only guy that has struggled since baseball came in and mandated a lot of restrictions, and they changed the baseball. He's not the lone guy here that has struggled. Um, And the Blue Jays have had to part ways with some of those guys that had it and then all of a sudden lost it in the last couple of months. And, you know, he he became, instead of using that splitter a lot, he became more fastball and slider friendly. And while the stuff had times had good movement to get big strikeouts, there were days where he absolutely lost it. And unfortunately, those were big times and big moments for the Blue Jays. And it goes back to the consistency. Yeah. Down the stretch, you have to have guys you can rely on. And Rafael has just pitched himself out of reliability. Yep. Uh, an incredible season a year ago, though, and a super reliable part of this Blue Jays bullpen and getting them to the postseason with this young core for the first time. Ben, uh, thanks for this. It's great to see your face again. You're looking great. Ben, you, you've lost almost as much weight as, as Tom Young. <laughs> That's impossible. No, it's not possible. Tom is like a pencil these days. Yeah, it's ridiculous. He looks fantastic. He's He's definitely the uh, COVID MVP of the off-season workout list. No doubt yeah. about it. All right, yeah. Ben Wagner Good with the call. see you guys. Yeah. Uh, likewise, Ben Wagner with the call coming up at the top of the hour. More of Baseball Central, though, when we return. Ben Ennis, Rob Wong, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. It's Baseball Central, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Ben Ennis, Rob Wong. This is acting as a pregame show for the Blue Jays and Washington Nationals coming your way at the top of the hour with Ben Wagner. Jose Barrios against Josiah Gray, the right-hander. Randall Gritchick, seemingly the center fielder, the everyday center fielder for this Blue Jays team with George Springer out. But you raise an interesting point. That Otto Lopez, who is doing his best Ben Zobrist impression in the minor leagues this year, I think he's played all three outfield positions. He's played second base, and he's played shortstop this year. I don't know what kind of a defender he might be at that position. Teoscar Hernandez has a little bit of center field experience in his back pocket, but we know what kind of a defender he is. Like, it's hard for me to imagine Lopez is a better defender in center field than Randall Grichik. But if the bat plays, I wonder if he gets a look there. That's a, that's a, that's a big step backwards offensively when you're talking about Randall Gritchick being forced into the lineup every single day. I think your hope is that you get good Randall, that he's on a hot streak. I think yeah. that's kind of what your your prayer is, having him have to play every single day. Because when George was healthy, um, I felt, you know, Randall Gritchick was the perfect out, fourth outfielder for this team, defensive replacement. You play him against lefties and you keep him away from righties as much as possible. But now he's been vaulted back into the spot that he was at the beginning of the season and it worked because he was hitting incredibly well so you weren't disappointed that he was out there every single day but you know as Ben mentioned you've got Otto Lopez now you've got Kevin Smith those guys aren't just going to sit they're Mm -hmm. going to get a look somewhere and Lopez can play a little bit everywhere but I think at the end of the day you do have to pick your spots because as disappointing as Randall Gritchick can be from game to game the reality is you're not playing Otto Lopez over Mm -hmm. Randall Gritchick. So. Yeah, unless he just kills it. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, his maybe he's Brady Valera-esque and just he, comes up and hits. Who knows? Uh, the other piece of good news, I said other, this is the first piece of good news. The first <laughs> piece of good news is that Bo Bichette was in the lineup yesterday, is in the, the lineup again today, because we did the show with Shai Davidi, and he did not say with any level of definitiveness, but did reference the potential wrist injury that Bichette 
suffered in the Red Sox series at Rogers Center and perhaps Lopez arriving and perhaps Kevin Smith arriving with some sort of backup plan, say Bo needs a couple of days off or even an IL stint. The fact that he was in the lineup yesterday, got a couple of hits after the platinum sombrero Mm -hmm. in the finale of the Seattle series is back in the lineup today. That's good. That's positive news. It definitely is. Uh, Pin the ball on Bo Bichette. Where is he going to take one today? Uh, He's taken another one in the leg last night after uh, the pickoff move at second base. So uh, he's all bruised up right now, but it is, it is good that he's, uh, back out there the the bat you know he got a couple hits last night i thought that was good had an unfortunate play in the field just got under his glove actually nicked his glove but you know we're talking a lot about the offense i mean teoscar's carrying it bobachet needs to start turning it up uh back to where he was uh, a few weeks ago yeah with the power especially with the power especially i mean we know vlad and the struggles he's going through right now but that's the thing about the top four in this offense right now with semi and bachette guerrero jr and hernandez you would love for all of them to get going at the same time, but if two of those guys can get going at the same time, that's much better than right now where it's just one guy in Teoscar. When do we start having the conversation that Connor Overton is the best reliever in all of baseball, <laughs> yet to allow a base runner in his three and a third innings of work gets like a couple of strikeouts yesterday? I don't know. Maybe there's a thing there. Well, I found it kind of funny that him and Trent Thornton went back to back in the game last night because that feels like the exact <laughs> right. guy that he's fighting for a spot in this bullpen. And one guy hasn't allowed anybody on base. Yeah. And the other guy gave up a homer to Riley Adams. And I just don't understand why he keeps getting opportunities. Uh, you know, I looked at some of the stat cast data. He's got a high spin fastball and a high spin curveball. Uh, but those balls keep leaving the yard for whatever reason. Hitters are not uh, too discouraged when they see that fastball and curveball coming at them. But uh, yeah, Connor Overton showing a little something here. Maybe that's uh, maybe that's the Trent Thornton replacement uh, if you need to make another roster move at some point. Uh, it is Baseball Central. Ben Annis and Rob Wong, Sportsnet 590. The fans, just a couple of minutes before we send you to Washington, D.C. for the Blue Jays and Washington Nationals wrapping up this mini two-game set. It's an interesting time for baseball in New York right now the yankees the streaking they totally remake their team at the trade deadline uh anthony rizzo coming back after being on the covid list and yeah they got some potential interesting machinations there with too many guys uh for not enough lineup spots but that's a good news situation for the yankees as they overtake the red sox for the first time in forever making up what a nine game deficit in just a couple of weeks news is way worse for the new york mets who just continue to lose. They've lost five straight. They're under 500 now at 59 and 60. And their owner, Steve Cohen, is a great follow on Twitter. 216,000 followers at, uh, at Steve A. Cohen 2. Poor Steve Cohen. Money can't buy you Steve A. Cohen 1. <laughs> um, it's so great to see this. Six hours ago, after his team struggling mightily in his first year of stewardship, Uh, here's his tweet. It's hard to understand how professional hitters can be this unproductive. The best teams have a more disciplined approach. The slugging and OPS numbers don't lie. I don't know what necessarily that's supposed to accomplish, Mm -hmm. but I love that it exists. Well, if it's a motivational tactic, that's definitely one way to go about it. And uh, sorry to all the uncles out there. I know I'm an uncle. So this sounds like uh, your uncle talking to you at a, you know, a cookout at a barbecue being like, I don't like, why can't he just drop down a button? So easy. Just (laughs) stick the bat out there and it's fine. And he's asking like, why are we not good at this? We're professional 
baseball players, but you know, I kind of love it. I mean, he's saying the quiet thing out loud. We saw, you know, another owner in New York for many, many years, and George Steinbrenner, who loved to voice his concerns about the the team, and of course, you know, Steve Cohen trying to trying to carry that tradition in New York. So. If you're, you know, one of the players, you're reading this today, you're probably rolling your eyes at it. But, you know, it's the owner of the team. He pays the bills. He gets to do and say whatever he wants, and he's got to deal with it. I think it goes one of two ways, and I hope it goes the first way where it's just, hey, I'm an owner. I'm a smart guy. I have a Twitter account. I'm not afraid to tweet. I'll tweet whatever I want, which he did in a a, a reply. Someone said that you can't be the owner and like a fan. He's like, says who? This is my Twitter account. I can do whatever I want. I hope that's the case. The danger, and I think if you're a Mets fan, if you're Jerry Seinfeld right now, you're terrified of this happening. Uh, Probably the most famous Mets fan, right? Jerry Seinfeld? Yeah. If not Billy Crystal? Billy Crystal, yeah. Yeah. Um, You're afraid that this has become a a Pagula situation, right? Where you got an owner who bought this, this cool toy that they've spent their entire life dreaming about having, and you're not just going to sit idly by and watch the season go in the toilet. You're going to do some. You're going to do some things. You've gotten to this place in life because you've been a mover and a shaker. Yeah. But you know what, Steve? You're not a lifetime baseball executive. You are supposed to hire people in positions of power that make those decisions. I'm not saying it's at that point yet, but I think if you were a Mets fan, you'd be a little bit on edge that it might be trending in that direction yeah you can definitely see it this this feels like potentially uh, foreshadowing the the future of the new york mets that all of a sudden uh, steve cohen names himself like president of baseball operations or something <laughs> yeah. and it starts to, jerry jones style yeah, jerry jones style but like this is what i've never understood you've got you know so many people that uh, own these baseball teams that have had so much success in business and finance and whatever different ventures that you know they come into baseball and they think like oh i can just carry over a lot of these things but it just doesn't work that way like you can't uh, just monopolize things with a baseball team and just hope to you know get success uh but you know maybe he figures it out maybe he's one of the few owners that uh, can uh, decide to say things but not meddle at the same time and have success but uh Definitely not on the right foot. It's been quite a quite a crazy tenure so far for Steve Cohen within the the last year since purchasing the team and free agency, Bauer, Springer, yeah, all of that stuff. And here he is once again, uh, you know, spouting stuff on Twitter. Yeah, and Lindor, who's been yeah. a massive disappointment and injured. Yeah, it has not been great for Steve Cohen. But you can say you're the owner of the New York Mets uh, if you're Steve Cohen. Also, there's the many millions and uh, billions of dollars. Also, that probably feels good yeah you go to sleep pretty well it feels good to have jose barrios on the mound for the blue jays if you're a blue jays fan although he's looking to bounce back in a big way from his worst outing as a blue jay in anaheim against the angels where he gave up six earned over four and a third looking to bounce back the blue jays looking to salvage a split of this two-game series against the nationals day off tomorrow before returning home to rogers center for a weekend series against the Detroit Tigers, which involves Drew Hutchison starting a Major League Baseball game over the weekend. That should be fun. All right, keep it tuned right here. Ben Wagner with the call. Blue Jays and Nationals next. This has been Baseball Central. Ben Ennis, Rob Wong, Sportsnet 590 The Fan.